0: But welcome to the final week of our series, Memoirs of a Strong Man. I have enjoyed this series. One of the reasons I've enjoyed it is because I'm hearing stories weekly from men and women alike about how God is challenging them in some area that we talked about. And I'm also, uh, this has also been one of those series that I've wrestled with every week because I study for it. And then I'm like, "Good Lord, these are areas I need help in," and you know, and I'm wrestling with it in those. So it's been a love. This series has been a love hate relationship for me. Uh, but but it is our final week of this series. Uh, this Thursday, what is this Thursday? Fourth of July. Come on, Fourth of July. It is the day we celebrate our, our our Declaration of Independence from Britain and its monarch. And, and it's a day, you know, we, we, it's not just a day that we get off work, have off work, shoot fireworks, eat more than we should. You know, it is a day that we celebrate our freedom, our freedom. As I thought about this, I, I didn't plan like this, but here's what I believe. That's what this entire series has been about. Asking men, getting to a place where we declare our independence from the enemy and his monarch, from what he has put on us. For women can declare their freedom in in this. And and so, uh, week one, we've been been talking about this. Week one, we talked about breaking free from three attitudes. Three attitudes, I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. Those are the three attitudes that Samson that brought him down. And we said, let's replace those with these, these three attitudes. I want God. And two, if I deserve anything, I deserve death. I don't, you know, the, the ways of sin are death. And three, I can't handle anything without God. And, and so we talked about getting set free from that. That's what those first three have Week two, we talked about getting set free from being driven by our emotions. Come on, anybody that hit you? Yeah, that. I was like, good Lord, I don't... I need to be, have this preached to me. <laughs> but be, instead of being driven by emotions, start being Spirit-led, led by the Spirit. We, we talked about that, and, and we talked about how, like, as in Santa's life, if we allow our, de- our need to drive us toward God, then God will to meet our deepest needs. A lot of times, though, so we allow our need to drive us from God. And we need to go out to drive us toward God. Last week, let's see how many remember last week. We talked about this. Most men don't ruin their lives overnight. They don't wake up and say, hey, you know what, I think I'm gonna ruin my life. How do they do it? One step at a time. One of these. One of these. We talked about Samson's journey, it was 25 miles from where, from Saxon's hometown to where Delilah was, <laughs> and, and roughly it's about 50,000 steps, and we talked about how Samson had 50,000 of these to say, you know what, I really shouldn't be leaving my community, I really shouldn't be stepping away from the safety of my family. I really shouldn't be going pursuing the wrong woman. I, and 50,000 of those, and men don't run their lives. No man wakes up thinking, I'm going to throw it all away today. They do it one step at a time. One step at a time. And so last week, are, are you ready for the final week? Yep. Yes. yes. Three of you. All right. I oh, am. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <John. laughs> uh, last week, we, we left off where... Delilah convinced Samson to give her the secret, and we all admitted Samson had to be a little dumb uh, for Delilah to tie him up three times and him still finally give her the secret. I'd have been asking, uh, why, why am I telling you the secret of my strength, but I wake up and every time you've done, exactly, you know. But Samson was blinded. His sin blinded him. And so we, we find out he's in. He his, the enemy comes in. The Philistines they capture him. Samson has his guy eyes gouged out. Which honestly, that's a tame way. When you look at the commentaries of what the Philistines would actually do, they would actually take these uh, these hot irons out of the fire and burn the eyes out, and then they would scrape out the remains. That's what they did to Samson. So Samson's eyes gouged out. And, and here he is, God's chosen to lead the people out of captivity. God's chosen. The man was so much potential. And now, because of his own actions, he's not a free man anymore, he's in captivity. His eyes burned out, his head shaved, he's chained to this huge grinding stone uh, doing the work that an animal would usually do. And not only that, but now his enemies are surrounding him and they're mocking him, they're spitting at him, they're throwing things at him and making fun of him. I think if if we could go back and ask Samson, Samson, what was the lowest point of your life? I think Samson would point back to this time. It was when I knew I had failed miserably. It was the day I I realized I got it and tried to shake myself free to realize God was no longer with me. That was the lowest point in my life. I, I mean, Samson knows he's thrown it all away. And so my question, guys, this morning, what do you do when you realize you've lost it? Well, what do you do when you realize you've wasted some of the years that God has given you? <laughs> pursuing your own thing you wasted gifts that he gave you what do you do when you've done something that cannot be undone and you're embarrassed ashamed by your actions or or what you've done what do you do when you've hurt people that you love what do you do when you realize that you wasted your life and, and you've not done or become who God created you to be what do you do because, man, let's get real. We take that type of failure very personally. We don't like to fail. Come on, man, all right? I mean, we like to win. But ladies, let me say it like this. Uh, see if it's a fair statement. Ladies typically find value in relationships. Do you like me? Are we friends? Did I do something to hurt you? I mean, come on. They even go to the bathroom together. It's all about relationships. Listen, men, no man you trust will ever say, hey, man, let's go to the bathroom. <laughs> if they do, that will be my last time hanging out with that person. But, but men, if, come on, listen, if you do find yourself in the bathroom with the other, some of your male friends, there are some rules, right? You look straight ahead, you don't make eye contact. Never make eye contact. You just look straight ahead. But women typically find their value in relationships where men, we like relationships, but that's not everything to us. With men, it's not so much do you like me, are we friends, it's do you respect me? That's what it's more about. Because let's be honest, we don't like losing you. I mean, Pastor Timmy just said a couple weeks ago, and I'm the same way everything's a competition with me. Today, uh, our pastoral staff will come over to the house. We're going to cook out. We're going to play some cornhole. And I'll just tell you, I want to win. I want to talk smack. I want to get inside their, my, my uh, associate pastor's head and just, I want to make him a little bit mad. <laughs> and then I want to rub this. See, he's already talking smack. <laughs> because that's an end. That's what we do. We want to, we and and doesn't mean no, that's a sign of affection. The fact that I want to take you down so bad so I can rub it any years later. We're friends. (laughs) We're friends. And that's the way we end. But we don't like losing. And when you're taking notes, if you're taking notes is this, my first point. A man's greatest fear is failure. And his greatest pain is regret. Man, we don't want to fail, do we? We don't set out to fail, right? I mean, we we want to know that we measure up, right? We want to know that we, uh, that we are successful at what we do, right? right. We, we want to know that when we don't live up to our expectations or someone else's expectation, our greatest pain becomes regret. I wish I had. Why didn't I do this? I wish I had done that or said it differently. And that can be different for every man. It could be the man that's frustrated with his job or his career and he's living paycheck to paycheck and then he looks at his peers and it seems they're doing really good financially. and they're happy in their job. They're happy in, in what they chose to do for a living. And we say, man, I wish I'd chosen a different path. I wish I'd taken another job. I wish I'd done this. And we live in that regret. Or it could be the guy who enjoyed the single life. Man, he loved the single life. He, he loved going from lady to lady, now single. But then he looks around and all his friends are getting married, having kids. And he starts regretting how they ever settling in, settling down. Or it could be the man that's married and his marriage is nothing like he'd hoped for. In fact, his marriage is bad. And he doesn't like where his marriage is at. He knows his marriage is not good. His wife knows it's not good. Yet he's not willing to do anything to change it. But he feels like a failure because his marriage is broken. And he doesn't know how to fix it. Maybe it's not the outward failure. Come on, a lot of times it's that inward failure that really gets us. You know, things that, that 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 we've done that seem to haunt us that nobody else knows about, or that promise he made himself, or promise he made to God. I will never do, or Friday night, I'll never do this again. And by Monday morning we've done it again. And we feel like a failure. Come on, can anybody relate? Don't, don't raise your hand but let me ask this does that sound familiar to any of you men? does anybody, any, anybody when we talk about failure man you've got a moment that pops into your head and you know man I wish I hadn't done that I wish I said things differently I wish it'd gone a different direction ladies same thing have yeah, any of those times just man I wish I know I failed there. I wish I'd done things different and if of those just kind of Bring back some memories. I've got some good news for you. Failure is an event, never a person. It's an event. It's not a person. Listen. Just because you failed at something doesn't mean you are a failure. Are you hearing me? It's because you failed. Failure is an event. It's never a person think about it. Samson fell over and over and over again. And when it looked like he had fell way too much for God to love him, much less use him, we see God shower him. Remember how how it how the scripture left off the last week. it said this, but the hair on his head began to grow again. That was God saying this, Samson, I'm not done with you. It's not over. That should shout to us that just because you're down doesn't mean you're out. Amen. Yes. Are you with me, church? Yes. Just because you failed doesn't mean your life is over. In one verse, you hear God saying to Samson, your story isn't finished yet. It might look bad, but that is in the final chapters of your life. And that's God's message to some of you today. Your story isn't finished yet. You may have blown it. You may have messed up. You may have screwed up royally. But I mean that doesn't—that's not going to be the story that defines your life. You may be down, but you're not out. So last week we left off in verse 22 here the hair on his head began to grow again. Let's jump into verse 23 where we left off last week. Now the rulers of Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying our God has delivered Saxon, our enemy, into our hands. Now let me ask you, this is not even in my notes, but had Dagon delivered Saxon into their hands, or had Samson deliver Samson into their hands. Yeah. Samson, yeah. Samson did it. Uh, and the place we're talking about, it, it was kind of like a, more like a coliseum, a big open area, layers upon layers of seating. There were to be somewhere between 3,000 and 5,000 people at this event. They're here worshiping Dagon. Uh, verse 24. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land. Anybody remember what we talked about? when they're, What they're talking about? We laid waste the land. Remember, we talked about him catching the 300 fox, uh, yeah. yep. putting it, the lining of torch between their tails. Running them through their crops, destroying their crops, destroying their field, or saying, hey, God, our God has delivered the one that did that to us, and then what? And multiplied and our slain. Remember the jawbone incident? Yep. Where he killed a thousand of their men with a jawbone. And they're saying, the God, our public enemy number one. Basically, what they're doing here is they're having a worship service for Dagon. Dagon, thank you and praise you. We worship you for, for bringing this guy the fault, their false god. Let's continue verse 25. While they were in high spirits while they were in high spirits they shouted bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison and he performed for them. Here's Samson a man with such a great call of God on his life. So much potential and they bring him out to be entertainment for them. He's being shamed, he's being, being mocked, and Samson has to be thinking, this is the story, this how my life ends. I have failed miserably. So what do you do when you've blown a big time? What do you do when you fail miserably? There are two responses that we can have. The first response, the natural response is remorse. Anybody ever felt remorse? Well, let me give you the definition for, the actual definition for remorse. Deep regret or guilt for a wrong committed. Anybody ever felt remorse? Deep regret for a wrong committed. Sometimes the remorse turns inward. And it's like, I feel terrible about what I did. I really shouldn't have done that. I'm such a hypocrite, I'm a horrible person. I have no future, I hate my life. It turns inward. Then there are times when it turns outward. The victim mentality. Come on, it's their fault. I wouldn't have done that if this hadn't been done to me. I wouldn't have, it's Delilah's fault. It shouldn't have been looking so good and stuff. (laughs) I wouldn't have found myself in her lap asleep. Come on. And and it's the outward. And the problem is, though, with with, um, remorse is that's where most men stop. I I feel bad about it. I I feel terrible about it. But that's using the word stop. Can I tell you, that should lead us to a better response. better response is repentance. Repentance. Let me tell you what repentance is not. Because a lot of times I don't believe we really know what repentance is in the church. Repentance is not, man, I blew it, I messed up, I hate that I did this. But I'm not going to change anything. In fact, I'm just going to let this bad feeling fade away and then I'll do it again. That's not repentance. Uh, last week we talked about them. Remember, we, I, I said a while ago men don't run their lives overnight. They do it one step at a time. Here's what repentance is. Do you remember what I said? All you need to do, if is, is you're taking that one step, is do what? Turn around. Turn around. That's repentance. That's repentance. In fact, let, let me you two bring it down for you. Read means turn, Pent, get this, means the highest. So what we're literally doing is we're turning from our low, sinful state. We're turning from our low place where we were trapped in and, and turning to God's higher call on our life. Repent. Repent. Truth is, there's some things we've done that cannot be undone. Amen? Amen. But we can repent. I, I debated on whether sharing this sword. I said, nah, go ahead. You share it worse. My wife's worry now. I remember when we were in Louisville and uh, we would have this choir, we had a choir up there at this church, uh, as a larger church, and, and so one night after choir practice, I'd go home early. Denise is sitting there talking with five or six of her friends. Kennedy's still there, so I think, I'm going to shoot her a text, kind of skip the fire sculpt a little bit, kind of let her know, hey, get you ready for when you get home. <laughs> kids. Yes. That's about as great as so I'm going to be. So I send the text. Little did I know. Kennedy had Denise's phone. So Kennedy goes, Mama, Dad, I'm not going to read it. I don't, I don't have an actual phone in front of me. She said, Mama, Daddy wants to know blah, blah, blah. What is that? <laughs> Well hurts five or six friends die laughing. <laughs> can't send a text. Can't send it. There's some the things you cannot undo, but you can't repent. You can't unslick for that person, but you can't repent. You can't undo that bad deal you did, but you can't repent. You cannot say what you said, but you can't <laughs> repent. You, you can't unlook at what you looked at. But you can't repent. You can't undo what you did, but you can't repent. And I believe that Samson comes to this point in his life, he knows I have blown it, I have completely failed. But something inside of him begins to remember that, hey, I was called to be something besides entertainment for my enemies. I wasn't called to be entertainment. I wasn't called to to be, my my eyes gouged out. I was created and set apart by God to do something significant with my life. I'm telling you, it's my prayer. At some point, you'll be there wherever you're at, you'll think, I wasn't called to do this. I wasn't called to live like this. I was called and set apart by God to do something significant with my life. My prayer is you wouldn't just live with remorse, but remorse would lead you to true repentance. And then instead of focusing on the bad, instead of that, you say, you know what? I'm I'm not going to allow my failure to identify me. I'm not going to allow it to tell me who I am. I'm not going to allow it to stop me from doing what God called me to be. Because you need to understand that somebody needs to hear this. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. Right. Amen. Are you hearing me? You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. You can't change what you did. You can't change your past. But you can't change the tra- trajectory of your future. It's because you're down. Doesn't mean you're out. You are not what you did. You're who God says you are. And Samson begins to get this truth and remember who God said he was, and watch what happens. Verse twenty-five, B. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, "Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them." Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistine were there. On the roof itself were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Now watch. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. I love that phrase. Strengthen me just once more i God, I may have blown it a thousand times. I may have messed up a thousand times. I'm, I may have blown it more times than I doubt. And I'm not asking for multiple opportunities or multiple chances. I'm just asking once more. One more time, God. Strengthen me. One more, more. That's all I need. Just once more. Samson's broken. I believe it's in this moment of brokenness that Samson gets past himself because he realizes, you know what, up to this point, all I've lived for is me and me at home. I want to, make, to make sure I was happy, to make sure my needs were served, my needs were met. But God, I'm telling you right now, you're allowing my heaven. I'm going, I'm telling you now, it's about you and you want I'm going to live my life for the God that showed me mercy when I didn't deserve it. The God that showed me, showered grace upon me. That showered love on me. When I had failed him time and time again, he still loved me. Samson's at the lowest point of his life. I would say that nobody looking on believes there's anything good left in him. But they're looking at a broken man. And Samson has this moment where, where it's just. Even though it's crowded, it's just him and God and he says, God, strengthen me just once more. Give me one more chance and I'll take what you've given me. I'll take the gifts that you've given me and I'll use it to glorify you. Here's the good news. Even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. Even in our failures. I tell you, that's not just good news for you and I. That's good news for humanity. That's good news for the people we work with. And sometimes we walk in and we listen to them tell their stories about what kind of week they have. And uh, so many times we want to look down upon them. Or so many times we want to say, oh, look. The truth is it's been us many times. Good news, and they need the good news and even their feathers, God can still accomplish His purposes. You know, what was God's purpose for Samson's life? I remember. To help start a revolution, to set his people free from captivity. That was God's purpose for his life. Look at verse 39. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might. Down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed more when he died than my life. Even in his failure, God used him. Even in your failures. You may have messed up, but it's not over. You are not what you've done. You're who God says you are. I know I'm speaking to some people this morning. you need to quit living in remorse of your past and repent and begin to live the future God has for you? What I'm saying is this. See the Bible says the same power raised Christ from the dead lives in us. What does that mean? That means you can be a man of God. Are you hearing me? You, that means you can live with integrity. You can live with character. But Kelly, I messed up so bad. That's so bad. So if you think that that about your story, I messed up so what is it? What does it look like when you tell about what God brought you out of? I, I had the opportunity Monday night to be witness to three testimonies of three women that came out of healing for damaged emotions, and emotions. Their story was so powerful because they chose not to live in remorse but to repent about God to bring them out. And think about it. when you talk about what God did for me. I was an addict for so many years like God. For years, I, I, I lived addicted to pornography by God. For years I had an uncontrollable temper of God. For years I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't take personal responsibility. I lived as a victim and I blamed everybody else. But God. How much better does it look when God sees? When people see what God brought you through and what He's doing for you now. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you guys, God, you may have blown it, you may have messed up. God is not finished with you yet. He's not done. I mean, you know, Samson, before you just read it, Samson placed his hand on the pillars, everything that that was holding it up around him. It says, He brought down the Colosseum call sin, and then more damage that day than his entire life. Let me ask you a What pillars do you need to push down today? What pillars need to be brought down today? What What is, what thing, what sin, what, what failure is it that you need to push down today? Ladies, same question. pillars do you need to push down today? Some of you pillars you need to push down is pride. You need to reach out and ask for help. And you stay stuck in whatever it is because you're too proud to ask for help. You're too prideful to admit to another man, another brother, hey, I'm struggling here. Can you hold me accountable? Ladies, you're too prideful to say, hey, this where I'm struggling. Can you hold me accountable? Some of you is anger. Some of you spend your whole life just mad at the world, and everybody knows, man, they are just an angry person. And the person you're most angry with is yourself, but you just push it off on everybody else. Some of you it's your marriage. Here's the wall you need to push down It's your marriage. You need to push down the wall that just says, yeah, I know I've got a bad marriage, but I'm just going to live with it. And you're to say, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, let me tell you, I don't want to end up like my grandparents. I, where, where they slept and they loved each other, but they slept in different beds. I didn't get married to sleep in a different bed for my wife. Can I be honest with you? I don't care. I may be 90 years old, and I'm still gonna want I'm gonna sleep with my wife. I still want her beside me. Some of you men, you need to repent to your wife of being a jerk. Can I get real here for a minute? I'm gonna tell you, man. I, I was talking to a gentleman this I think it was this past week, and I asked him about something. He said his wife was gone, had been gone for a while, and I said, man, my wife's been gone for two nights, and I'm ready for her to get back. Some of you, man, you don't know what what difference it would make. Is if your wife was away, you just shot her a text, her phone call, say I miss you. You don't know what difference that would make in her in your marriage. I tell you, I'm preaching good right now. <laughs> I tell you, man, man, my wife, we don't have a perfect marriage, but man, I miss this woman when she's gone. I do. I'm good for about two nights, but then I'm like, you know, you get your tail back on my breast. That's the one that knows me better than anybody else. Good, the bad, the ugly. That's the one that loves me on my best days and loves me on my worst days. Man, you need to quit saying, well, this is just marriage. I'm older, we're older now. It's just I don't I don't believe that. I believe in going into we we just 28 years. I'm not sure. What's that? I don't believe our passion has to die out. I believe God can regenerate. Some of you, that's what you need to pray. You need to pray. I, I just feel a, a call to, to go here for a moment. There's some men here, you need to have some hard conversations with your wife. Not just remorse, but repenting. Not just to God, but to her. And ladies, can I tell you this? You better not. If they come to you and say, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," you you better not do anything but respond in love. Because if you respond with well, it's about time. You better believe that'll be the last time they come and apologize. To you. Of we said this a couple weeks ago. If a man can't win, he do not want to play. That's just the truth. And, ladies, you need to help your man win. Are you hearing Man, that's a good teaching. Yeah, stay hey there. there. Yes, and I'm. Kelly, why are you waiting? Because I just. you know what? And I'm just talking about marriage now. I'm talking about every area. We all want the new. You're right. We all want the change. We all want the different. But we don't want to do anything to get the new or the change or the different. Like, I can talk all day about how, and y'all hear me talk about it, how I'm, I like to drop 20, 25 pounds, but unless I change something, It will never, ever happen. Ever. You can talk about you want a good marriage. If you don't change something, you can talk about wanting to get set free from this. But if you don't change something, you can talk about wanting to grow closer to Christ. But if something in you doesn't change, you begin to do something different. Nothing is ever going to be different. You want different results? Do something different. And then, even then, in the workout world, Ben's not here. He had to, he had to go get his wife. But, but he would tell you this is true. And anybody that's ever been done exercising, you can grow to a place where you're exercising, where your muscles know that movement. And if you want them to grow more, they, you have to, what they call, shock your muscles and do a different exercise. I'm convinced, love the church. Man, this is so good. I wish I broke this down. Well, the church has stopped in their growth pattern simply because this is the way I've done it. It's the way I'm always going to do it. Things are not different. And what God is saying, you need to shock your spiritual muscles and do something different if you want to grow further than this or you're going to be stuck right there while everybody else goes on without you. And what you're going to be doing is complaining about this and that and that when if you would just shock your muscles and allow God to work, Oh man, that was thinking good. Yeah. Oh, we are recording this, I didn't write that down. I didn't get a whole message on my memory. Men, say to your enemy, He loves to bring down strong men. But God loves to make weak men strong. <laughs> Don't just improve yourself and be a better man. Try to be a better man. No, be a man of God. Be, be a man that decides this and this, this is tougher. Listen, what I'm saying is it's a lot tougher to do than it, it's easy to say. But you've got to be a man that says my life is no longer about me. You see, Samson pushed out those pillars. He died once. What Samson did was easy. What do you mean that it was easy? There's not a man in here that if you were at home, someone broke into your home, you would jump out of bed, undies, or whatever you had on, grab the nearest thing as a weapon, and, and give your life defending your family. That's easy. What's tough is dying every day. Paul said, I die daily. Why Paul said it? Because Paul knew he, was, he, his, he, he, he could be a very selfish person. Where it was all about him, he said. Every day I got to get up and say, you know what? It's not about me today. It's not about me. I died, daily. I died, day To what I want, men. We gotta get that. Point. See, dying once, giving your life once is easy. Dying every day to the wife. Dying every day to the kids. Dying every day to the boss. Dying every day—that's tough. We want to be the men God has called us to be. That's what it takes. Stand with me.